0: Hello and welcome to Ascent's podcast exploring standards. My name is Jess and in this podcast I will be talking to the experts in the consultancy industry. At Ascent we pride ourselves on championing international standards and in each episode of this podcast I will be talking to expert consultants discussing standards, ISOs, consultancy and everything in between to bring you industry knowledge and updates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Exploring Standards. I am Jess, your host, and today I'm very excited to have Bex Stedman back on the podcast. Hi Bex, how are you? Hello Jess, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me back for a second one. How exciting. Very exciting. So if you haven't listened before, Bex has already been on the podcast talking about travel risk management in ISO 31030. Uh, So make sure you give that episode a listen. Uh, Bex is our travel risk management expert. She is the woman, she's known as travel risk Bex. Uh, And so today we are going to be talking all about uh, what is TRM. Um, Bex also has her own podcast talking TRM. So if you're looking for more information about travel risk management, her podcast is absolutely fantastic. Please go and give that a listen. Um, let's get straight to the first question, which is, what is TRM? Okay, well,
1: another lovely acronym, which we like to use, obviously, in business, but it is travel risk management, just to spell it out. Um, we talk about it in lots of different terms, and I think people have lots of different perceptions of what it is. So it's probably worth just kind of spelling it out literally, I guess, from a standards perspective, but, you know, what, what we're talking about. So when people think about risk in travel, they tend to think about high risk countries and that kind of thing, because they probably have some processes and some thoughts around that and some things in place. Uh, What we're actually talking about though, when we talk about travel risk management is the, the understanding of risk management, which is basically applying a process and a framework to your business that looks forward and backwards and assesses the potential hazards and risks. That could be that could affect your business, and that can be across everything from cyber to financial. Um, you know your due diligence stuff when you're looking at perhaps buying another company. This all comes into the risk management umbrella uh, and sits comfortably under the standard thirty-one thousand. But when we talk about travel risk management, we're talking about applying that that understanding, but using travel as the um, as the sector that we're actually exploring. And when we start doing that. That's when it gets really interesting and, and much bigger than those high risk countries, um, because we're looking at trying to create a framework that ultimately protects our travellers um, and also our assets and other things that you know associated with it. But most importantly, it's about our travellers. So it's often kind of considered as people risk management as well, but using travel as the thing that they are doing at that point. So I hope that helps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned protecting the assets, but as you said, it is people risk management and actually one of the biggest assets in a company is the people so that that makes sense
1: well we we talk about it being a lot but whether we actually then put the stuff in place to make sure that those people are protected is another thing but that's exactly what this is about it's an enabler to do that for sure yeah Fantastic. So, why is travel risk management
0: important?
1: I think it's always been important. Um, and and, and you know, to be fair, com- companies have been looking at this for a long, long time. And I go back to those kind of high risk, com- uh, high risk destinations, or those companies having to operate in a kind of hostile situations, or you know, those first, uh, those first companies that go in after a, 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 a traumatic weather or, or you know, event or anything like that. So, there are companies that are really into this space. But what's happened, I think, in the last 20 to 30 years and i think if we really think about kind of pre covid and post covid which is how people in travel tend to think these days um the world has just changed it's it's just not it's just not acceptable now to kind of expect your travelers to go off and do stuff that maybe was acceptable to do 30 years ago without kind of giving them some support around it it's not to say they shouldn't do it but there's a lot more emphasis now on understanding what the person is doing, why they're going and actually who that person is. Are they the right person to go? Um, and all of that sort of stuff, because and, and it's not, like I say, just about high risk events either. It's about anything that kind of happened to a person when they're traveling. Mm-hmm. So it's just we're we're, we're kind of in a, we're in a world now and I talk about this a lot, but I sort of describe it as, you know, Risks are happening. This isn't just a kind of, oh, this might happen. We literally turn on our computers every day or we look at our phones and there's another thing that's happened, you know? Um, so if it's not just a case of if it will, it's when it will and where will it be. That's the sort mm-hmm. of, that's, that's the world as it is today. And be that crime, be that weather, be that terrorism, be that war, which is kind of what we're, we're dealing with now. And, you know, two different countries in the world are, are at war ultimately. Um, and we are, we're, you know, this is, so you've got that level of it then there's another side of it which is the travel industry itself is recovering from covid they are struggling still with you know they're they're selling but when it actually comes to operating there's all sorts of complications and issues around that from staffing from actually having their slots and that's not just airlines it's rail it's affecting accommodation um So there's major issues with just how that operates. So that's not just a kind of, it's not just a, oh, when stuff goes wrong. It's like, it probably will go wrong. You will probably get delayed. You'll probably have cancellations. How do we help you and support you with that? And then you've got this third part, which I think ultimately for me is the most important part. And I think why I do it is my drive. The people are so, you know, the people now working in our companies are incredible. They're so diverse but we all have a completely different set of requirements and needs and a lot of the policies and the processes are based on what would have been acceptable for male executives wherever they are in the world it's not um but they're not necessarily considering females they're not necessarily considering lgbtqi they're not necessarily considering mental health or neurodiversity and it's just kind of not fit for purpose anymore so what we're sort of basically saying is we're going to give you the absolute minimum to do this job. Um, We're going to cut back on costs. We're not really going to give you any support, but we expect you to do that. And actually, if you don't do that, there's a chance you might lose your job. Like it's a pretty rubbish place to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And actually travel risk management takes all of that away if we get to look at it in a different way, because we look at it from a risk perspective across the whole 360. At the moment, travel is fundamentally managed by cost. And that's why we're in the state that we're in, because people aren't thinking about people. They are, and I say this a lot. So anyone who listens on my podcast will be like, "Oh, she's banging on about that again." But the way that companies manage travel currently is on a spreadsheet in their finance department, and it's a pain in the backside. So what they don't see is every single line on that spreadsheet is a lived experience of one of their employees or teams or guests or whatever. And the better that experience is, the better for for everyone. So that's why this is important, and I think. For the first time, the standard, 31030, as much as everyone has been doing stuff in this space, the standard kind of puts a line in the sand and says, look, you know, you kind of need to be doing this now. Because if something does go wrong, you have to do it. But if something does go wrong and this standard exists and you haven't even looked at it, that's not going to be ideal. <laughs> so standards move stuff across, which is what's happening now.
0: Which is fantastic. And it's, it is slowly... I slowly, but it is moving in the right direction, which is which is really good, and that's what we want.
1: Well, I, and I say slowly, Jess, but then I spoke to someone yesterday, and they were like, "Oh my God, it feels like you've been doing this for years." And I was like, "I know, I've literally been doing it for you know eighteen months, it, but there's been so much packed in, so it is moving, moving more quickly than I think it is. It's um, and it's definitely going to continue to evolve.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, can you tell us about how you manage risk in travel? <clears throat>
1: I can give you some tips. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So one of the biggest challenges is kind of actually understanding what it is that you do as a company and why it is that you travel, and there's various reasons for that. Um, and that can be for if you're a smaller company right up to you're a larger company. But obviously, the bigger you are, the more complicated it is, and potentially the more partners you'll have involved in the in the solution. So the issue is data, firstly a lot of companies don't really have full visibility of what it is that they're actually doing and in order to approach and understand your risks associated to what it is that you're trying to manage you kind of need to understand what it is that you're doing so at the moment companies kind of have this almost blanket approach with how they approach their insurance they have this sort of well we'll just kind of cover everything for everything and you know And and insurance companies have, you know, developed their products around that. But actually, it would be a lot more helpful if they could be a bit more personalised and customised to what the customers want. So, Mm. and the other problem with it is because for the last sort of 25 years, travel management companies have been selling duty of care as a solution with technology. And I'm not saying they're not doing a good job, but they're not doing the whole job. However, that's not what the client hears when they hear a duty of care solution. So you've kind of got this weird place where it's partly insurance, partly TMC, there's assistance companies involved, but no one really understands fully what it is that the program is. And then when you're trying to bring in new providers, you, you just kind of move the problem along rather than understanding it. So before you do anything, you have to get your head together and know what it is. Mm-hmm. And this is, the, I mean, this is my favourite bit. Whenever I go into a client, this is literally my favourite bit. Because I go in and they're like, oh, God, we've got this problem and that problem and la, 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 la. And I'm generally dealing with procurement or security. Um, and I say, okay, well, look, here's our list of stakeholders. And they're like, no one manages travel, no one looks after it. And I'm like, I know, but there are people with a vested interest. So let's have a chat to them and let's start pulling some stuff together because we only have this this viewpoint at the moment. Um, and then we do it and we bring in, especially in the larger companies where they've got the resources. So you're bringing in cybersecurity, you're bringing data, you bring in legal, um, you bring in HR, you bring in QHSE, uh, you bring in travel itself, you bring in any security teams, you've got any risk teams. And it, and it's just this kind of, and procurement, obviously, if you're not dealing with procurement and finance, because they are potentially, the, and you just bring the whole thing. And suddenly, and you just ask them, you know, what's going on? How does it affect you? What do you know? Because often there'll be travellers as well, although certainly have teams that travel. So you kind of get a unique perspective. Um, And then you start to actually understand what it is your programme is. And from Mm -hmm. there, you can then start thinking about the risks. But you can't think about the risks until you know what it is. There's no point thinking, oh, we'll put all this stuff in place for our international travel if you don't travel internationally it's just a waste of resources Um, and obviously the risks are different if you're based in the UK versus going out to high-risk countries you know you've got to think about it in a different way so the first part is to understand what it is that you're dealing with and then from there you start thinking about the risks associated to it so you do it at a high level from a strategic level what are the risks associated to the program by not doing anything by not moving by not bringing in providers by not having stuff in place And then you get right down to that kind of operational level. So you start thinking about people, assets, and what could happen. So I have this, you know, risk assessment template that I go through with my clients. And, you know, to be fair, most of the risks that happen will be the same for company over. But, you know, things like, you know, what happens if somebody gets ill on a trip? What happens, God forbid, if somebody dies on a trip? What are the circumstances of that? And, all, and you sort of build out the sort of different scenarios and, and then you can work out what your solutions are. But that's how, we, that's how we do it. We have to be really honest with ourselves and we have to know what it is that we're dealing with, who are our people, who are traveling, what communities are they coming from across the business and how are we gonna support them? Because ultimately it's the traveler that's on, his, on their own when they're out there and that's what you're trying to sort of build something around. Does that answer it? I feel like I've gone on quite a lot there.
0: No, that does answer it. I love it. I like the the idea of going into the company first and then picking bits from the company, being, well, let's look at what you're doing, because there's no point, you know, looking at the big picture until you've looked at your small picture. So I think that, that is very helpful. Need help implementing a standard or maintaining a management system? Ascent Risk Management can support you throughout any stage of your project. The expert team delivers impartial consultancy and auditing services across multiple disciplines, including information security, cybersecurity, environmental sustainability, health and safety, quality management, and business improvement. More than just box ticking, their team works in collaboration with yours to build a bespoke management systems that return real business benefits. Find Ascent online at wwwassent one which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com. You've briefly just touched on this, so you have a template, um, but how do you do a trouble risk assessment?
1: Yeah no so the, te- the templates for um, the risk register so that's another template um, but a travel risk assessment is um, something that really, as far as any standards in this space are concerned, is the place that you start. So when we think about pre-travel approvals and things like that in travel, it's usually around cost and they're usually okay. built into the booking tool. So at the time of making the booking, a if you you know if you go over something then it's flagged and it's sent off for approval. But that all has to happen in quite a lot of time constraints um because the booking won't hold and there's issues with you know losing the spaces and that kind of stuff what we're talking about when we talk about a pre-travel risk assessment is actually looking at the reasons for the trip the purpose of the trip what you're trying to achieve from the trip what's the potential ROI on the trip what are the risks associated to the destination but what are the risks also associated to the activity and what are the risks associated to the actual person doing it so from anything from where they are as far as their health is concerned to their um, personal preferences uh, or lifestyle choices or religion. Um, All of those things make up a risk pattern and they're all completely individual and unique to that specific trip, destination, person and activity Uh, and what a risk assessment does is kind of cover all of this off. Look, the key factor is is that you need to be able to, once you've done a risk assessment, you need to make sure as an organisation you're providing that traveller with the information that they need, that you've done your absolute best. You haven't just done a risk assessment and then gone, off you go then, go and find out all of this. Which to be fair is what some companies do and there's nothing wrong with that because you do want your travellers to, to do a bit, they are responsible for stuff, they need to know things. And you want them to see that they've gone off and said, okay, if I'm going to Nigeria, I know that I need to do this, this, and this, you know, there's a checklist to a degree. Um, But you also want to make sure you're providing them with that stuff that they need. Don't just go off and find yourself an agent out there. We've got one and we've like, you know, we've vetted them and that kind of stuff. Um, And all this should happen at the point that a trip is even considered, not at the point of booking um this should happen you know at the moment it happens maybe for companies maybe it's a conversation between a manager maybe it's something that you know there's a there's a level of risk assessment that happens depending again on the destination but really this should happen for every trip um in order for a company to fulfill their full duty of care um details now it's not always practical to do that and companies literally go whoa when i say that but actually there's ways around it, you know, if people are doing the same trip again and again and again, you don't have to go through a full risk assessment every time you can yeah. tack it to that and just add, you know, our certain key questions that do that do require you to do it. So it's not quite as arduous as it sounds, but actually from a perspective, if you find yourself in court because something happened to one of your travellers, the first question they're going to ask you is, did you do a pre-travel risk assessment? And if you didn't, Bye. Yeah, I mean it's just, you know, you you don't really have a leg to stand on. It's the biggest piece the biggest pain point in thirty one oh thirty when we're trying to talk about it to travelers. They don't like it, they don't understand it, travellers don't want to complete it. But you kind of think, well, <laughs> it just needs to be talked about in a different way, which is what I try and do.
0: Yeah, and I think you like, If you bring in someone like yourself, a consultant, you know, if you get a good structure in place, as you said then it just makes it easier going forward. If it's a mess to begin with, then it is going to be really difficult and really tricky. But if you get it, it up well and you can then start to reuse it. Makes this is it.
1: And I, you know, I've just, I've, I'm working with a client who has just agreed to, to, to get one. And I'm so pleased because they just, they understand that some of their issues are the visibility of when the people are traveling. So, and that's because, you know, they're a huge company and they're across different countries and um, there's companies within their company operating differently because like a lot of companies, that's just, that's how they're set up. Um, and it's difficult to communicate to everybody and all of that kind of stuff. Um, some have we got visibility of travel, some we haven't. I mean, this is standard across all companies. Like I, I, it just is whatever you know companies say. Um, by putting this in at the front and automating this process and not making it just about high risk, making it about everything, you have a point of reference so if something does happen you're not scrambling around going oh god the, the global tool i had actually doesn't have all the data i now need to try and find who that agent is and whatever you know potentially that these people were going to go on a trip and they were approved so it gives you a starting point at least to give you an idea so it it just helps It's that i obviously think it's a positive thing But it is, um, yeah, it helps frame what we're trying to do and to to put risk as the most important piece in this.
0: Uh, So my final question is, and I know you've kind of already touched about this, but we'll go into a little bit more
1: detail, which is what standards are there for TRM? Okay, so at the moment, there's ISO 3130, which obviously we talk about a lot, which is a guidance standard. It's an ISO, so an international standard. Um, It came out in September 2021. It's been really, really well received. There's been um, organizations at this point, you can align to it. You can't, it's not a certification standard. So you, um, you align to the principles of it. And ultimately it's taking risk management 31,000 and putting travel in, as we said right at the beginning, as, this, um, as the kind of thing that you're looking at and you're mitigating against specifically, because it's such a big topic. So um, that's it as it stands right now. But when that standard was being created, it was seen that it was aimed at organizations. So it's aimed at any type of organization, however big you are, whether you're a charity, whether you're a corporate, whatever. Um, and initially it was considered maybe it would can include schools and things like that. But actually, there's obviously another whole other area of safeguarding when you're thinking about traveling with children or taking children away. Um, so there's a second standard coming, which is 31031. So if you have 31030 guidance for organisations, you have 31031 guidance for youth travel, which is massive. Like, I can't even believe there wasn't a standard. I mean, don't get me wrong. There have been safeguarding standards and different things, but nothing sort of quite specifically aimed in a way that this is. But it's great that there is now. Um, And then I'm working on another set of standards with ISO and BSI uh, to look at travel service providers. And this could potentially be the first certification standard that comes out within this space. Um, reason being is that both those, the youth travel and the um, uh, organisations rely on the travel service providers and actually they can give auditable proof that they're doing this stuff and actually they probably should. Um, it shouldn't just be, a, oh yeah, we're just aligning to it. This, this can be the difference between life and death in a situation and it's about defining responsibilities between the service providers and the client. So it's really, really important. So we're doing a lot of work there. Um, and then there's the potential just to grow. This this sector's huge. Um, it's due to sort of triple in value as as a sector in the next sort of five years. Um, and and using these standards as a sort of framework to kind of build everything that comes from here is is just really good. So um, yeah, there's a few. <laughs> we might do some more. Um, but they're being really well received. That you know, I get calls weekly about this standard. I talk about it all the time. So it's um it's definitely one of the most popular out there
0: fantastic well thank you so much uh we shall keep an eye out uh we'll obviously post any news that we hear um on the standards that are coming so it's a very exciting time in trauma risk management yes well thank you very much beck for joining us on the show today i hope you've enjoyed it
1: i have i've just thought maybe i talked too much but you know you knew what you, you i can't even speak you knew what you were getting um and i love it so no i'm really grateful that um you've Come, i've come back and done it again and i'm really pleased that you know so many people are interested in this so we don't do a second one if people aren't interested so it's good that you're getting some feedback cool
0: absolutely uh so just for our listeners, once again uh, i've been talking to travel Respects, which is bex deadman um if uh, you'd like to check out her podcast her very own podcast it's talking trm and you can find that on all, all major platforms um, so, thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed it, please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That really, really helps the podcast. I will be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Check out the show description for links for more information on all topics discussed in the episode. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast and make sure to leave us a review if you need any help with implementing an iso standard or have any questions please reach out to ascent risk management to talk to one of our expert consultants today we can be found at www.ascent1.com we're also on linkedin facebook twitter and instagram all links can also be found in the show description this podcast was produced by jessica ingalls and is a clemark studios production